This morning, uh, we are beginning a new message series, and I've already indicated that I'm totally excited about this series, and it's going to lead us right up to Easter. I haven't mentioned Easter now a couple of times. Uh, start inviting people now. We're going to have uh, probably next week a couple of different cards for you to be able to use. Uh, start talking it up, uh, what uh, you know, to your friends and people that you work with and go to school with. And we're going to do three one-hour services that morning. We're going to do one at 8.45, 8.45 to 9.45. We'll do another one uh, from 10 to 11. We'll do a third and final one from 11.15 to 12.15. So we're going to have a lot of different options, the, the service, everything. We've been working on it already for a long, long time. It's going to be a powerful time. And the end objective of all of that is so that the people that you know, your family and your friends, will have an opportunity to be introduced to the very person that created them, and that is God. And I'm uh, looking forward to that day. And so uh, this series will take us up into that point. Now, whether or not we consciously think in terms such as these, life is a continuous journey. You're on a journey. You don't always think about being on a journey, but you, I, we're all on a journey that has taken us someplace. We wonder, well, you know, on this journey, and we think about where are we at right now? I mean, just consider your life for a moment. Where are you at right now? And then where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And this affects so many areas of our lives, some areas that we're not even talking about today, but bear mentioning. And because we're in so many different phases of our life, we think in this regard, uh, here's where I'm at, but here's where I want to go. I'm here, but I want to go there. And we do that with our physical life. Maybe some of you are doing that even now. You're like, you know what? Physically speaking, I'm here. I'm not real crazy about where I'm at physically, but I want to go there. And what do I need to do? And maybe you're saying, well, I think I'm just going to eat clean or, you know, uh, be careful what I put into my body, or I'm going to start an exercise program and I'm going to do that. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to drop some pounds. I'm going to get better numbers next time I go and they do my blood work, or I'm on this medication. And the doctor says, if I'll do this and this, that possibly I can come off the medication. And so maybe that becomes a motivation for you. You look at yourself physically and you say, I'm here and you know, I'm okay, but I really would like to go there. And we do that in our physical life. We do that as well in our financial life. We say, here's where I'm at. And then we start thinking about the future. But here's where I would like to go. Here's where I would like to go. Uh, you look at your life and you say, you know what? I have so many good things happening in my life. And God has been so good to me. What are some kingdom-oriented causes that I can get involved in? You ever have this kind of thought? I do uh, quite often. When is enough enough? Do you ever think that way? Like, I've got enough. When is enough enough? And when can I start leveraging? leveraging what God has blessed me with for some other causes. For about a year now, I've been praying about it, been doing a lot of research. I will figure out a way to most involve and get others to be involved in me, but it's a passion in my heart to some way find a strategic way where I can be a part of providing clean water for people in areas where they don't have clean water. I mean, because I think about my own grandkids who, by the way, are going to be here on Tuesday, and I'm slightly excited about that. But I think about my grandkids can go to a water faucet anytime and get anything they, and not worry about. And I want to be a part of that. I want to, I want to say, God, you've been so good to me. You have blessed me and I've got some resources and I'd like to bless, you know, find ways. And so we look for those opportunities or, or maybe you're at a place in your life where you're saying, you know what? I need to build up some savings. I don't really have a lot of savings. I'm just sort of living from here to there. And you know, if I had something come out of nowhere, I'd be in like big trouble. And as Dave Ramsey and you heard us promoting that on Wednesday night, I hope that you will take advantage of that. It is phenomenal. Uh, 
the Dave Ramsey total money makeover, and, and he talks about having an emergency fund, and some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. That means you need to go on Wednesday night so you can learn what that means, but what if something happened, and maybe you need to, you're looking, and you run the numbers, or you have somebody run the numbers for you, and you say, hey, I'm going to retire in this amount of years. Like, for me, I look at my life right now, and I say, you know what? The reality is, 35 years from now, I'm probably going to retire, 40 maybe. But where am I going to be? You know, am I going to be able to retire? And I hope that I'll be able to retire and still go to Chick-fil-A in the mornings. I hope, I hope, I hope. <laughs> or maybe you're looking at your financial like, I'm here and I've got this mound of debt, but I'd really like to obliterate that, that mound of debt. And so what do I have to do? Here's where I'm at, but I've got to have a strategic plan to get from where I am here to there. And we do that in our health, in our physical bodies, and we do it in our finances. We do it in relationships. Maybe you're thinking about a relationship that's sort of new to you, and you're like, you know, here's where the relationship, if I define the relationship, the relationship is right here, but I'd like for it to go here. You know, I would lie, you know, this person really has attracted my attention, and we're not really dating. We're here, but I'd like for it to go there, which would be like dating, or we've been dating a long time, and it'd be nice if we could, I'd like to see it maybe go to engagement, or we've been in engagement, and I'd like for it to go here. And some of you are thinking, thinking, well, you know, this relationship, I just wish she had talked to me instead of rolling her eyes every time I, I try to talk to her, you know? So where are we? How do we go from here to there? I'm here in my spiritual life, but I would really like to go there. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, I'm, I'm here, but how do I get to where I know I need to be? Because I'm not there yet. How do, I, uh, how do I enjoy greater intimacy with Jesus, get closer to Jesus? How do I put into place some spiritual practices? I've got a busy life. You think that way. I've got so many things going on. I go from here to there. I'm running hard from night to evening. And, and how do I incorporate some spiritual practices into my life? How do I go from here to where I really want to be? How do I go there? How do I make sure that I'm obeying God? You know, I know what I ought to do. How many of you know that generally speaking, the vast, vast majority of the time, it's not whether or not we know what to do or what not to do. It's whether or not we're going to do what we know we ought to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's not like, do I do this? Not, no, you know you ought to do this or you shouldn't. It's, it's like, am I going to be obedient to God's purpose and God's plan for my life? See, we're always on a journey, as I said. And the great question to ask is this. Where does there actually look like? And we could talk, and I'd love to do it. Maybe we can sometimes about how do we get from here to there physically or financially or relationships. But that's not the focus of what we're talking about today, although those areas are important. But we're talking today about the most important area of our life, the one that really matters, the one that really, when you think about it, the context of all of life really flows out of our relationship with God and our intimacy with Jesus. And if we're at this place spiritually, and think about where you're at spiritually right now, are you satisfied? Probably not. Are, are, is this as far as you ever plan on going? Spiritually speaking, probably not. Do you, do you like the way that you, probably not. See, I think it's true for you, and I think it's through, uh, true for me that we just look at our, our areas in our life where we're at spiritually, and we say, well, you know what? I like this. This is good. This is good. But boy, I really want to get there. Now, for any of you that have ever read through the scriptures, maybe you've you said, well, you know, maybe you grew up in church, or you started reading, you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, and you look many times, and you come to this realization, think about this, that people have always been in the place that we're currently at. People have always been 
You, you read it. You read it in the scriptures. People have always been on a journey. The people that are described in the pages of the scriptures were also on a journey. And it starts really early in the story. I mean, it starts as early as with Abraham. If you've ever read about Abraham, and God comes to Abraham one day and he says, Abraham, this is where you're at, but this is where I want you to go. You're here. You're right here, which was Ur the Chaldees, as it was called. And he said, but you're not going to stay here. And Abraham was like, that's great because I get tired of writing that on envelope. You know, one, two, three, Maple Street, Ur the Chaldees. I, I don't want to write that anymore. And so, you know, Ur, here I am. But God says, you're not going to be here anymore. I'm actually geographically, I'm going to lead you out of here and I'm going to lead you there. And then it's like, well, where are we going, God? And God says, well, I'm not going to tell you right now. How do you think that felt? Uh, I'm not going to tell you right now. But once we get there, I'll let you know where we're at. And it starts early in Scripture, and then God comes along to Moses and says, listen, Moses, here's where we're at. I want you to lead my people from here because they're in bondage, they're in captivity, they're in slavery, they're being tortured. And, and God is saying to Moses, I'm going to raise you up because I want my people to go from here to there. I want my people to go from bondage and slavery and torture. I want my people to go to where there's going to be freedom. And where there's going to be blessing and when there's, where there's going to be peace. Later, and it just perpetuates itself. You could just go on and on. God comes to Joshua and Joshua hears God say, well, you know what? Now's the time to move into the land of promise. I'm tired of you being here. You're not to stay here. I've got a better plan for you. I want you to go there. I want you to go into the land of promise. I want you to go into that territory that I've been talking about uh, to you for decades now. Now is the time to move from here to there, into the land of promise. In reality, we're always on a journey. God wants to lead us. This is for us now. now. Walk away from Abraham for a moment, Moses, Joshua, and all the people that will follow and bring you to where we're at, right here, right now, today. And what is God saying to us? God is saying to us, I want to lead you from here, where you are right now. And I want to take you there to the place in your life where I want you to be. And I don't think any of us, in fact, I hope that you're not, I hope that you're not comfortable with where you're at spiritually. I hope that when I asked that question earlier, are you completely happy with where you're at spiritually? I hope that none of you could say, absolutely. I'm just, you know, I can never get any better spiritually speaking than what I am right now. Because I think that would be a fallacy. Because I think there's still room for all of us to grow. How many of you believe that? Wave at me. I think there's still room for all of us to get closer to Jesus. I think there's still room for us to become more obedient in our lives to what we know God wants us to do with our life. And God wants to lead us from where we're at. God, if you happen to be a person that today, just because life has been really, really tough of late, and you're just filled with despair, do you know what God wants to do? God wants to lead you from despair into hope. God wants to lead you if you've got like bondage in your life, if you've got like habits and addictions and things that are going on in your life and, and these things that you promised God that you're never, ever going to do again. And, and, you know, you do it again and you say, oh, I'm never going to do it. And I'll tell family I'm never going to. And you're just in bondage and you're in captivity. It's not in Egypt. It's to an addiction or a habit. And God says, you know what? I don't want you to stay there. I want to lead you from bondage into a place of freedom. I want to lead you from your sadness into joy. 
I want to lead you from your fear and your anxiety into a place of courage and strength. I want to lead you from your doubts into a, a greater measure of faith. I want to lead you from sin into a place of obedience. And this is what we're going to talk about. And it's why I'm so excited about it. It's how do we get from here to there? And we're going to look at it from now to Easter. And we're going to do it by looking at it. And you saw the sketch a while ago. And when one of our guys found it, it was just like so applicable for this series. Because we're going to be talking about looking up. And then uh, we'll talk about looking in. And then that week, that Sunday prior to Easter, we're actually going to talk about how do we look out and make a difference. Up, this is when you and I, I'll just give you a brief description, and then we're going to jump into the first one. Up, this is when, when we think in terms of up, and you see, you see the, um, the language up on the screen. Up, this is when you and I look at, um, uh, you know, we look at our life and we say, you know what, I'm not looking up the way I need to be looking up these days. I want to look up, and we purposely, all of us together, make a decision that we will, this is so important, you got to hear this, that we will place our devotion to Jesus above every other priority in our life. Think about that. Looking up is saying, I'm going to take, I've got a lot going on in my life. I'm busy, got a lot of responsibilities, got a lot of things I'm involved in, but I am going to purposely decide that my devotion to Jesus is going to right now from this point forward become the highest priority of my life. That idea of looking is, this is when you and I embrace and when you and I enjoy this sense of oneness which occurs when we come together the way that God intended as a church family and we enjoy authentic community. We find it and it's flourishing. Out is when we uh, completely say, you know what? I am determined to do more than just live my life and just be focused on people internally. I'm going to get out and I'm going to make a positive difference in the places, in the place where I work, in the place where I go to school, in my community, among my friends, among my family. It's just not looking up to God. That's most important. Everything else in my life flows out of that. It's not just looking in the community that God wants us all to enjoy. And we'll talk about that, but I've got to go out. Because God has given to me a message. God has given to me a transformative life. that I need to share that with others because other people need to come to know Jesus. So that's sort of an intro. I extended one, but let's use the balance of our time. Focus on this idea of up. And let me remind you of up. I just said it just a moment ago, but I wanted to be clear to all of us at the beginning. Up is this 100% devotion to Jesus above every other priority in our lives. 100% devotion to Jesus above every other priority, everything else that is going on in our life. Now, let me ask you this question. Are we there yet? Probably not. But we cannot, this is what I want you to fundamentally understand. This is so important. We are not there yet. I doubt any of us are there where we can say, I'm 100% so devoted to Jesus that it is the reckless priority of my life above everything else in my life that is going on. Are you there yet? Am I there yet? Probably not. But this is what I want you to understand. We cannot stay here. Does that make sense to you? We cannot stay here here. We cannot stay where we at, where we're at. We have to go there because there is great. And there is the place where God is calling us to meet him. Now, those of you that have traveled 
Um, you know, and in this setting, I know a lot of you travel by air from uh, quite frequently, but if you've ever traveled on an extended trip, which for a kid, if you've had kids or grandkids in the car with you, an extended trip would qualify for anything over 30 minutes. How many of you have ever traveled with kids for really what you would consider an extended journey? How many, how many of you have done that? How many of you know, raise your hand, wave at me again, you've traveled, you had kids in the car. How many of you know, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, what kids typically say about 15 minutes into the trip? What do they say? Are we, say it again. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, we're all, are we there yet? And, uh, you know, I think about that uh, when I was a kid uh, uh, growing up. I mentioned this when I was speaking in the North Campus not too long ago. You may have been in that service. I remember, I'm so old that I remember times when you could ride in the car without a seatbelt. I don't like it. I mean, but, you know, I'm sort of glad, you know, the seatbelt laws. You know, I don't know where you fall in that category, but I, I sort of like it. I think it's important. But I remember days uh, when I didn't have to put on a seatbelt. Anybody willing to admit that you remember those days as well? And I don't know when it became law, but I just can remember. And I can remember there were three of us kids that we would go on a trip. My brother, my sister, and me would tra travel with our parents. And we had three different sleeping places in the back seat of the car. I mean, the, the prize place to rest was in the back seat. If you had the whole back seat, that was like the number one. How many of you know that's the number one location to travel? That's a great location to travel. But if you did not, for whatever reason, you didn't have the cloud or you weren't manipulative enough to get the back seat, then how many of you know that there was another place that you could ride because you didn't have to, in those days, have a seatbelt? You could ride in the floorboard behind the seats that your parents were in. And that was sort of tough because you had to be really small so you could put your legs over that hump, you know, in the center, or you could try to lay across it and, you know, you'd have back problems for the next 30 years of your life. And that was probably like number three. You really, you know, probably your youngest and you're like, hey, you're little and you get, you get the floorboard. So you wanted to be spread out. But there was a prize, prize place that a lot of you probably rode in. How many of you ever rode, I don't even know what you would call it. It was flat. It was just under the back, the rear glass of the car. Remember that platform there? Did any of you ever ride it? Did, where you're just like, I didn't get the seat, but at least I can get a flat spot up on this, like, this place, and it's just under the rear glass, so you could travel and get a suntan with your parents all at the same time. <laughs> Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I can remember this has been a number of years ago because the boys, Drew, who's in this service, and his, uh, his, his brother, they were very, very small. Audrey wasn't even a thought yet, and we were making a trip back to Atlanta. We lived near Jacksonville at the time, and uh, you guys, you ladies won't get this at all, but you guys, I think a lot of you will resonate with this. I was bound and determined that I was going to make record time. And if you, does anybody resonate? Any of you guys, can you, I knew what my fastest time was from start to finish and we're going to go record time. And so we get to a point where I needed to fill up the car with gas. And, and so Jerry said, hey, you know, is it okay while I'm filling up the car with gas that the boys like a little snack? And, and so Jerry said, can I take the boys in and, and uh, get them a little snack while you're, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I've got, I can't really communicate it to everybody, but I'm, 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 I'm on a record pace, please. This it's got to be quick. I want to, yeah, tell them I hurry. Tell them I hurry. They got to go quick. And then, you know, when I come in, you know, because you weren't, I don't remember paying at the pump. You probably could have, but I don't remember. When I come in, you make sure you get them to the counter and then we'll pay and then we'll, we'll go. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, hey, listen, here's my record pace. 
And I would love to beat it today if the three of you will cooperate. I didn't say that. I just said, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm going to fill up, get them a snack, get it, we'll pay, I'll pay for everything, and then we'll go. And then I thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to, I'd like to reduce a restroom stop. And so when I finish filling up the car with gas, I was in such a hurry that I walk and I'm checking on there and I'm like, all right, all right, I'm almost done. And I figured I'd just run into the restroom. And I was in such a hurry, there were two doors. Anybody ahead of me? And, and I, I don't want to say too much about this, but I'll just say that when I walked into the door that obviously was not the right door that I didn't know at the time, I noticed that there were certain plumbing fixtures, fixtures that this bathroom didn't have that most men's restrooms, and I'm like, well, okay, not everybody has these, and so, well, that's all right, and, you know, and, and I just, I, I, again, I don't want to get too far into this story, but I, I looked down, and I noticed women's shoes. And I'm like, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. And I'm like, and then I have this horrible feeling. If I'm, if, and I remember this so vividly because it's, it's like traumatic to me still to this day. Uh, I, I remember the thought, if I'm seeing women's shoes, I remember having on short pants like khaki shorts and some boat shoes. I said, there's a good feeling she is seeing men's shoes and hairy legs. <laughs> so I, I mean... Talking about record pace, that's another record I said. And I'm like, and I go tearing out, and I see, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I, this, I, she's going to walk out. She's going to see, I'm, I don't, she's seen my shoes, probably my hair. I don't want her to see my face and put it all together. So I'm like, go, go, pay, get in the car, get on the car, get in the car. We got to get it. And I was so paranoid that this lady's going to walk, aha, there he is. And so we just, and, and we made record pace through the store, through the whole deal. Are we there yet? We're not. But we cannot stay here. Rick Warren writes this, and I totally agree. God's goal in all the changes we make is that we become more and more like Christ. God's number one purpose in our lives is to make us like Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? That's God's plan. And although what I'm about to mention to you is a very popular mindset, I'm asking you to completely reject it. It is this mindset of what are the minimum, and a lot of people think this way, and it's like, oh, man, we got to move beyond this. If we're like this as a church, if we're like this in our own thinking, we've got to move beyond this. But so many people are entrenched at this level, and it's this level, it's this mindset that says, what are the minimal entrance, re entrance requirements for getting into heaven? What is the very least that I can do and still make it? What's the least that I can do for Jesus? What's the least that I can do in my relationship with God and still make it in heaven? That is a, that's a horrible way for us to think. Or, you know, maybe I can do this and this and this, but as long as I don't cross that line and what are the minimal, what is the least that I can do in order to get into heaven? Now, there was this great Christian leader in the New Testament. A lot of you know about him. His name is Paul, and he writes about how Jesus transformed his life. He was here, but God said, Paul, I don't want you to stay here. I want to take you from here to there. And let's see how it plays out. There's several verses more than we'd normally have on the screen, and I'll just sort of walk you through them. This is Philippians 3. He said, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, we'll come back to that. I have more, more. And then he sort of lays out his spiritual resume. I circumcised on the eighth day. 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and that matter, that was a big deal. Because Paul actually, I don't know if you know this, Paul was actually, his name before he came to Jesus was who? Do you remember who? Saul. You remember another Saul that's back in the Old Testament? You remember what tribe he's from? The tribe of Benjamin. So Saul, who became Paul, was actually named after him. He said of the tribe of Benjamin that had some cloud, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, look at these four words. Read them with me. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Look at the next portion. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to, read this with me, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may, what? Gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. It's really important. You've done great reading so far, but you really need to feel the energy of this and speak it out because this is there. This is there. We're here. We're not there yet, but this is there. Read it with me. These, these five words. I want to know Christ. Read it again. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Are we there yet? We are not there yet. We are here, but we cannot stay here. We must go there. And there, when we're talking about looking up, is 100% devotion to Jesus above every other pressing priority that's going on in our life, among everything else that is going on in our world, above everything else. And Paul talks about it. He says, you know, here's where I started. Where was his initial here? And fortunately, we don't have to guess in regards to that. He clearly tells us what it was. In his own words, he mentions this in verse 4. He said, and you saw it. I told you we'd come back to it. He said, this is where I was. I placed confidence in the flesh. And, and I understand this because I've, I've read this early on and, and I'd be like, I don't even get that. And some of you are saying, I don't even get that. What does that mean? He placed confidence in the flesh. Um, when Paul refers to that confidence in the flesh, he's actually speaking in regards to what he did and who he was apart from God, by the way. He goes on this litany of, of talking about his accomplishments and his achievements and, and what his sense of security was and what his identity was. Paul, at this point in his life, was not looking up. He was looking at what he was doing. Hey, look, look at my resume. I was circumcised on the eighth day. That is what was expected of, you know, somebody like me. And, and I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I mentioned that. I was a Pharisee. A Pharisee in that day would be like a religious Navy SEAL or something. He said, as for zeal, as for zeal, it didn't get any better than I persecuted the church. As for legalistic righteousness, he said faultless, perfection. I was there. Nobody held a candle. That's where he was. That was his here. But then Paul says, I encountered Jesus and my life was transformed. When I started looking up, I got a new there. How many of you know that happens? If you, and I'm encouraging you today, because a lot of us are not doing this. A lot of us are good people, and a lot of us are doing a lot of great things. And if we compare to our lives to a lot of the people that we work with, our lives are pretty good. But I'm not convinced that we're looking up the way we need to look up. I'm not totally convinced for you or for me that Jesus, you know, and I, I don't know. I'm not judging anybody. But is he? 
100% above everything else in our life. Are we looking up? Paul said, when I started looking up, I got a new there. John Ortberg, a lot of you know I read everything he writes. He writes something. I can't even remember the book, but it's very insightful. Listen closely to what he said. He said, when my soul is not centered in God, I define myself by my accomplishments or by my physical appearance or by my title or my important friends. So if you and I must move from where we are here to where we need or where I believe for all of us, because I believe all of us want to move together toward this, where we want to be, which is there, that involves looking up. And looking up becomes, as Paul would just give us like, uh, you know, uh, a crash course. I mean, he could just talk us all the way through this. He could put on a clinic about becoming more dependent on God and less dependent on himself. Paul's decision was to take his self-reliance and his accomplishments and his advancements and move it into a totally different column. And if I had time this morning, I'd just sort of walk you through. He starts using like uh, uh, accounting terminology, language of uh, uh, accounting. And, and, he, and I'll just give you an example of this. I don't have long to deal with it. He started moving things into an entirely different column. He started taking, uh, taking what had formerly in his estimation been assets. And now that he had been transformed, may, now that he had gone from here to there, he started seeing that they were not assets at all, but they were actually liabilities. He said, whatever was to my profit, I look back and now I've got to consider it as loss. And so what now becomes an asset for Paul? What does there look like for him? Listen again to what he says. He says, for me, it's the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I may gain Christ. That's an asset. This I thought was an asset, but looking back now, it was actually a liability. I was here and I thought I was there, but I was not there. I was only here. But since I've like totally surrendered, Jesus is taking me from here to there, from where I was to the place that he wants me to be. And wouldn't it be wonderful if this were to become the longing and the priority of every person right here in our church family, that above everything else, above everything else, everything else, our jobs, and our jobs really matter, but above our jobs, and above our recreation, that's all right, but above our recreation, above our hobbies and the things that grab our attention, that's fine, but above our hobbies and above our aspirations and above our plans, and we love our families, and that's a great thing, and family is really important, but even above our families that we would say, above everything else, Jesus is the priority of my life. How many of you know this? When Jesus... Think about this. When Jesus really becomes the priority of our lives, when we're really looking up, when we allow him to take us from here to there, how many of you know all the other areas that I've just mentioned really benefit because we got all this straightened out? Does that make sense to you? Wave your hand if it does. When we are looking up and we've got this right, it affects all of this. Are we there yet? Probably not. But we can't stay here. Because there is so much better. Take a look at what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. I love this. Look at what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, like something we really want. It's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Why? He then, in his joy, went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. He just hid it, and he went and sold because that was so precious to him. When you think about your relationship with God, how precious is that? How valuable. Your intimacy with Jesus, your fellowship with Christ, the vibrancy of your spiritual life. What is the value of that to you these days? Now, 
Before we go back to Paul and wrap this up, I want you to seriously consider what I'm about to say. And this is true for you and for me. You and only you, you and only you are responsible for the condition of your soul. You and only you. You can't say, well, that's up to my spouse. I've heard guys say, it's like, you know, they didn't say it this way, but the idea was, you know what? I'll leave the religious and the spiritual in the church. I'll leave that up to her. She sort of covers our whole family in that. that no, she, that is not her responsibility. It's not your spouse. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not your friends. It's not your parents. It's not even your church. You and only you are responsible for the condition of your soul. If you look up, if you look up, it will be because you chose to look up. Again, I said I wanted to come back to Paul real briefly, and we're about out of time, but I want you to see this. Back in Philippians. And he says, hey, I'm not, I'm not completely there. I'm moving that direction. I knew I couldn't stay here. I'm moving there. He said, not that I've already obtained all this. I'm not there yet, or I've already been made perfect, but I do what? What does he say? Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not where I was, but I'm not completely there. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal. I press on to there to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this image that Paul uses, the image of a powerful runner who is straining, leaning forward to win the race. And it also, according to him, is forgetting what is behind, forgetting not just our sins, but forgetting our successes. Again, it's not, Paul said, I had to move. I had to look up. My life had been built around my own identity and my own self-reliance and what I could do, my accomplishment, dreams and passions and, and everything that I achieved in my life. Just look at the list. They said, I realize that's not it. I've got to look up. I've got to look up. Look at Hebrews. It's here on the screen, just really quickly. Hebrews tells us where to look. Let us run with perseverance. Still that, that image of running, the race marked out for us, and let us, read the rest of this with me, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we look up. We look up when we feel overwhelmed. We look up. We look up when we feel anxious, we look up. We look up when we're tempted, and all of us will be. We look up when we feel inadequate, and when we sin, and when we face great problems. We look up. We fix our eyes on Jesus. As the Hebrew writer said, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. As kids would say, are we there yet? We're not there yet. But we can't stay here. How many of you are with me on this? Let's give Jesus some praise. We love you, God. Stand with me, everybody. 100% devotion to Jesus above every other priority in life. Maybe you're here today and you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you're a good person as, and as compared to most people that you know, most people in your family, most people where you were, you're a good person. But you know you haven't received Jesus. Jesus.
you know you're not a Christian. You know you're not born again. This great religious leader went to Jesus one night and he said, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. And he's like, Jesus, I don't even get that. What does that mean? I've been born. No, Jesus said, you've got to have a spiritual birth. You've got to be born again. You've got to receive me. You had one birth, but now you need a second birth. You need a new birth. And if that's you today and you just say, you know what? I'm a good person, but I need Jesus in my life. I want to become a Christian. You may not even know what all that means yet. You may have had people telling you, you don't need God, you don't need church. You know, that's just a crutch that we people leave on, lean on, and you don't even, but you know better than that. Something deep within your heart tells you that what you've heard is not true and that you really do need Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to lift up your hand really, really high right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you say, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, I need Jesus in my life. I need to look up right here, right now. How many of you, all right, how many of you would then after that, how many of you would say, you know what, I've got some things going on in my life right now and I'm trying to figure it out my way and I'm trying to be good enough or smart enough or work hard enough to make it all happen. I'm trying to plan it out and str strategically think through all the, and it all comes back to self-reliance and I need to more move toward God-reliance in my life. I need to rely on God. I'm trying to make it happen in my own. If that's you, you need to look up because of circumstances in your life. Would you just lift your hands, sort of wave it at me. You need to look up. So Father, I just pray that you would help us all today. For people that are not yet Christians, to just say, Jesus, I don't even know all that it means to follow you. I, I don't even understand Christianity. I've never really read the Bible. I have a Bible. I've seen a Bible. I've heard some scriptures. I'm familiar with some scriptures. I prayed some prayers. But I don't really know you, Jesus. I want to know you today. I want to invite you to come into my life. I want to look up. I want to look up. I need you. I want you to be the pressing priority in my life above everything else. My job, my work, even my family, above my hobbies, above my recreation. I want Jesus for you to be the number one priority of my life. Come into my life. Jesus, if I know you and I'm not really looking up, I want to look up because of the challenges in my life, the things that I'm faced with. I can't make it happen. I want to look up. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being here. Have an awesome week. I'll see you right back here next Sunday. Love you, everybody.